Hey guys, welcome to the Shooting the Shift podcast. I'm Jeff Fitzpatrick, joined by Antonio Spinozzi and Will Voigt. We're here to talk about all things baseball, but dive deep into the Philadelphia Phillies. And we have a special first episode today where we're breaking down the MLB awards, specifically the NL Rookie of the Year award, where I think we're dealing with some issues, right? Yeah, I mean, I think when I look at all the results from MVP to Rookie of the Year to even Manager of the Year, I think the only one that they got wrong was NL Rookie of the Year. And it's not even, like you said, we're all Phillies fans here, and it's not even us being just overly on the bandwagon. Um, I think all of us can agree it's really hard to give it to a reliever in a 60-game season. And that's not taking anything away from Devin Williams. He oh, had, definitely a fantastic season for me. He him. had a great, great season. 27 innings pitched, 53 strikeouts, a whip of .63. I think he let up something like nine hits throughout the entire season. Uh, deservedly unanimous rookie of the year. Or uh, reliever of the year, not rookie yes. of the year. But I don't think you can give it to give him rookie of the year when you have two position players who – played in 35 40 games all nine yeah. innings yeah I would agree it it felt like Devin Williams's stats compared to other relievers were definitely the highest tier out of him Bohm and Cronenworth but it just felt like the amount that Cronenworth and Bohm played playing every day in big lineups it felt like their impact was a little more and it just went past the stats. Right. So uh, Cronenworth played 54 games out of the 60 game season and Boehm played in 44 games out of the 60 game season. So it wasn't even like Devin Williams featured in every single game um, with the 27 innings. I just think it's really, I, I don't, I just don't get it. Um, Going to be very honest. Like like I said before, he had a great season. I'm not trying to take that away from him. Um, he was by far the best reliever in the league this year. But yeah, it just, I just doesn't I, feel like a reliever award, especially a guy who's not coming down in the ninth inning to shut things down. And I don't know if you've uh, looked into the statistics on runs per game in the in his division, mm. and that division, every single team was in the bottom 10. Except for the, correct me if I'm wrong, the Chicago White Sox had to be near the top. Well, that's, that's the other, that's AL. Right, AL but, I mean, I guess when you're talking yeah. divisions for this 40, season. 40 games in the, the NL Central, 20 from the AL Central. So, the, yeah, even when you count the AL Central, only the White have, Sox rank yeah. top 10. So it's not like he's going up against lineups like the Dodgers, the Padres, the the Yankees, the Phillies, the Braves. Like he's not going against these extraordinarily deep lineups. And I mean, maybe in a 162 game season, those bats in Chicago, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo, 
the bats and yeah, uh, the bats Cincinnati. in Cincinnati. Maybe they have time to wake up, but in a sixty-game season, Cincinnati's so bats. They're the Cincinnati bats really surprised me, not being better. Right. And I gotta, I gotta believe they would have been, they would have picked it up over one sixty-two, and with a reliever, you see all the time over one sixty-two, it takes a bad outing or two. Because you're really not pitching that many innings. 60 innings over a full season is a decent amount for a reliever. Right. And you get hit around in an outing or two, you're seeing that ERA spike up. It, it just feels like, again, you can't take anything away from the performance itself from Devin Williams. He was fantastic. He did everything he could with what he was being offered, which was a 60-game season. Everyone had a 60-game season. But at the same time, it's hard enough for a reliever to win rookie of the year in a regular year. I just don't think that a 60-game season should be the year that happens. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I look at the voting. I look to the voting. Devin Williams got 14 first-place votes, um, 95 points. Boehm and Cronenworth tied for second with 74 points. Boehm had nine first-place votes. Cronenworth, six. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I wanted Alec Bohm to win. Um, just as I'm sure as both Jeff yeah, and Will would agree. More than just a homer thing, too. Like, he definitely, he definitely put up numbers to support right. his case. Like, yeah. leading the yeah. whole MLB in batting average with runners in scoring position. So, yeah, is you insane come in with, from a rookie. As a 23-year-old, you play 44 games. 54 hits, 11 doubles, four home runs, 23 RBIs. He batted over 330. That's the, that's, he put the ball in play. And I know we talked about it, Jeff and I. The, I don't think there was anyone else in the Phillies lineup that I would have wanted in a big spot in the game to drive home a run than Alec Boom. Which is one of those guys. He's one of those guys that wasn't looking to kill the ball every time he got up yeah. to the plate. He was looking to put it in play to make something happen. And I think uh, he's quick through the zone. Once he builds that muscle, it's the home runs will come. But the, What's the insane is that's such an advanced approach, though. From yeah. a rookie, that's such an advanced approach at the plate. He's not trying to make the big, flashy play. You saw it time and time again where he's not trying to drive you in with a double. He's just trying to do whatever he can to just bring that run home from first, just get it into the out or from right. second, get, get it into the outfield and let guys make plays. He's a team player. And the fact that we're talking about wanting him up over guys like JT Real Muto, Bryce Harper, Didi Gregorius, Reese Hoskins, we had a deep lineup. Yeah. And the guy we wanted up in a big a situation rookie. is a rookie. That's I mean, pretty insane. And then, and even if you take Devin Williams out of the equation and you, you want to say, oh, well, Cronenworth, the San Diego Padres had a great season. Cronenworth contributed to that. He might have been a better shout. Um, Cronenworth, 54 games, 49 hits, four home runs, 20 RBIs, so less hits, same amount of home runs, less RBIs in 10 more games than boom. Batted 285. So he had a good season, but – I think the he benefit he had a better defensive season than Boom, 
Yeah, um, that's where you see the difference is in, when in you war. look down, you see the difference in war. And that's that's really dragged down by Alec Bohm had had a pretty poor defensive war. I believe it might have been a negative. I believe you're right. Oh, let me look. And Cronenworth had him beat in that. But if you look at just isolated offensive war, I believe Cronenworth, again, having played 10 extra games, was a 1.3 war. And Bohm finished right there, despite 10 less games, finished at a 1.2 offensive war. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I just I, kind of expected that if anyone was going to beat Bohm, that it was going to be Cronenworth just because he had been been up a little longer to to get those more cumulative stats and the fact that obviously the Padres outperformed the Phillies by a decent margin. Yeah, um, I mean, it's just, like I said, it doesn't, it didn't make sense to me at the time. It still doesn't make sense to me now, um, but I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. Yeah, and I, I think at some point this does seem like we'll get to – Boehm seems like the type of player that this won't be the only time we're talking about him in an a, uh, award race. No, definitely not. It, the approach he has as a rookie, the numbers he put up as a rookie, seems to be telling of a very special bat in Philly. Mm-hmm. So let's move on and kind of discuss some of the other – all the other awards, I think uh, – yeah, you they seem agree. to get you everything would agree right. With me. They got everything right. And let's start. Let's go to the other side of baseball with the rookie of the year. Kyle Lewis was unanimous, 31st place votes. Uh, that does, doesn't surprise me. Uh, yeah, he's I was a I was very a good worried. player. I was a little worried they might, uh, they might take some votes away from him just being on a bad team. Luis Robert more in the spotlight. Right. Being a big player on an exciting White Sox team. And Luis Robert was really good. But Kyle Lewis was just a problem from the very start of the season and just did not let up. No, they he didn't. He got um, that one right. Yeah, 58 games played, 11 home runs, 28 RBIs, a 262 average, 34 walks, five stolen bases. Yeah, He's, I mean, he was really just that's a good choice. the bright spot. Yeah, he's the, the low bright spot bright spot on an on offense. Terrible team. Yeah, very bad offense, very bad team in Seattle. Mm. They could be – they got Kellenic on the way. Shout out Mets for giving them away. Yeah, I mean, Seattle can be good in the coming years. They have a bunch of guys in the, the minor leagues that will be ready to come up. But, uh, yeah, Kyle Lewis was definitely deserving of that award. And you saw Christian Javier, Javier, another pitcher, just didn't get any love in the AL. I mean, he wasn't nearly as dominant as Devin Williams, but uh, I kind of expected didn't I didn't expect Javier to garnish any first place votes. Um, like, not gonna lie, I kind of expected he was important this. for them though. That was yeah, he was very important for them. But I think that's how you handle Berlander going down. Yeah, but I mean he finished third where he, he belonged in that race because mm-hmm. you're not going to vote him over Luis Robert and you're definitely not going to vote him over Kyle Lewis. No. I, th- I think the one crazy thing about Kyle Lewis that I think we're all just like overlooking is the defensive side. You know, Kyle Lewis was making these crazy plays for the Mariners that were like 
you'd see him on the highlight reel, but then no one would ever think like, ah, oh, he's a rookie, like some yeah. cool plays. But it was just consistently really good offense, really good defense on a Mariners team that the AL West isn't really known of being a great division. I mean, you have the Astros, Angels, and Mike Trout, but you look, at this Mariners, yeah. you look at this Mariners team, there's some youth that is really exciting in Seattle. Yeah. Jump to the the manager of the year. Yeah, let's talk about manager of the year. Uh, So, again, these are two. I think there was only one right answer in the National League. They got it right. Don Mattingly. That Miami team should not have been anywhere near the playoffs. Um, they're, They're a good team. They have, on paper, they stack up well. It's just I feel like every year in Miami something goes horrendously wrong over 162 games. And they fall apart. But credit to Don Mattingly. He got those guys uh, up and going and into the playoffs. To the surprise of a lot of people, I think. Yeah, I I think he capitalized on a fire that these guys had. when, when When they had a lot of guys go down with COVID, they had just guys getting opportunities they wouldn't have had. And I think Don Mattingly was able to get a lot out of them. Yeah, he was able to make them want it more. Before the year, I was telling people that while I didn't think Miami would sniff the playoffs, I don't really think anyone did, um, I was saying, you know, I did like their arms. I thought they had some talented young arms, especially Alcantara, and we didn't know at the time if Sixto would debut this year. Obviously wound up debuting, lit it up. and Not surprisingly. Yeah, not – yeah. And the bats too. What they did over the off season was they just brought in professional hitters. Yeah. It'd be Corey Dickerson, uh, Jonathan VR, Aguilar. They brought in a bunch of just professional hitters and that's how they really made it work. Youthful pitching with upside and professional hitters that paired with Mattingly a proven successful manager, someone that you're going to respect when you walk into that clubhouse. I think that just made things click this year. Yeah. And then they, the Mariners went out at the trade deadline and made what I thought was very good trade when they got Starling Marte. Uh, That was just a good get by them. That was surprising Uh, to me. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, he's another one. A professional bat. He just comes in, does what he needs to do. Great fielder. He's one of those plug-and-play guys. He can play all over the outfield if you need him at second base. He can play second. Um, you know, I, I that was a really good move by them, and that brought them up into uh, the playoffs. And they, like you were saying, they have some really good young guys that are going to be exciting. Obviously, with their rotation, Alcantara, Sixto, Urena, they have great arms. And then I look to guys like Jazz Chisholm that are going to be good young pieces for them to move, to use going forward. Um, Even Jorge Alfaro is not super young, but he's pretty – he's going to be good. They're going to be together for a while. Strong arm, strong bat. He's got good tools. They they could be – I'm not sold on them 
being the type of team they were this year. Yeah, I don't think I'm again. sold on them over 162 games. Um, but I'm not going to rule it out. They did show talent, which yeah, is important. Did. And, I mean, we saw Mattingly do a really good job this year. And who's to say he can't go back-to-back manager of the year next year? Hey, I mean, he's a good manager. I like Mattingly. He did something very special with the Marlins. Now, moving over to the AL, um, this race was a lot closer between the top two guys, uh, Kevin Cash and Rick Renteria. Obviously, Kevin Cash wins, takes that Tampa Bay team the best, has the best record in the American League, 40 and 20. Um, end up losing the World Series to the Dodgers, but they had a very good team. Kevin it's Cash. A great time to tell people the voting happens before the postseason. Yeah. Great time to remind people of that. And the, the new age analytical stuff is what got the raise there. They stuck by it. Yeah. I, I mean, it worked. It got them into the playoffs. Yeah, but it lost them. But you, you don't pull Blake Snell five innings into a game. You just don't. It's not yeah. it. Yeah, but, ultimately that uh, Kevin Cash's quick hook nature I think it lost them that, that game six in the World Series. Blake no Snell doubt. was untouchable. Five and two-thirds innings, two hits. You know, against the Dodgers lineup like that, where if you can go almost six innings and only let up two hits, you got something right. There was, There's not many pitchers that could do that. Um, Just mowed down the top three in that order, too. Over he was next case. Yeah, he was really, really moving. He was pitching well. Kevin Cash pulled him, and that's, I think, the point that lost them that game and ultimately the World Series. Now, the other uh, manager that I wanted to talk about was Rick Renteria, who did an amazing job with the White Sox, but ultimately uh, got canned. See, I liked where their heads were at where the White Sox heads were at with moving on from Renteria if it was to bring in an established winner that could take the young guys and bring them to what they really could be, which is what the White Sox could be in the next couple of years is a powerhouse in the American League. Yeah, a very dangerous team. They have the young guys. Um, yeah, but they made a hire as if they were a team that's – at the end of their window in window Yeah, that needs it mode. this year. Right. If they um, had brought in a A.J. Hinch. Yeah, that would have been a, a great hire for them. Especially because everyone knew the Red Sox were going to bring back Cora. Mm-hmm. So there's, there, you're less under fire for being the guy to bring – the team to bring back one of those guys. And you're getting a proven manager, a winner that – has already done the whole take a young team and turn them into a contender year in and year out. out yeah. But they didn't go that direction. It seems like they would have been better sticking with Renteria because he did a very good job. Yeah, I mean, you're obviously not a bad manager when you come in second place for manager of the year in voting. Um, I am not a fan of the new hire in Chicago, I mean, Tony La Russa, don't get me wrong, great manager. He's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but I, I just don't understand 
why you would bring a 76-year-old who's been out of the game nine seasons. He's, he last managed in 2011 when uh, the Cardinals won the World Series and he retired. Why you would bring him in to kind of you manage this young team. He's not going to be able to galvanize the players in the same fashion as Mattingly was able to do in Miami or the same way Hinch was able to do in Houston and um, like he will be able to do in Detroit. I, I just don't understand Tony La Russa hire. Like I said, great manager, but I think it was just the wrong move at the wrong time. Yeah, it seems like uh, Ryan Snorf, the owner, is kind of overestimating where his team's at right now. Yeah. Uh, but let's so move. Let's get to the fun ones. Yes, the the two. I think all four of uh, the the two Cy Young races were definitely very clear cut. Um, there was no wiggle room on either side. Shane Bieber, obviously unanimous Cy Young. That one wasn't even close. No. Not that even one close. hasn't been close since the first two weeks of the season. Shane Bieber uh, was, I think if he was, if he did this over 162 game season, we're talking Pedro Martinez levels of domination. He Historic, had a yeah. eight and one, a 163 ERA. Uh, 122 strikeouts over 77 innings. His FIP was 207. He was just untouchable. He had one bad game at the end of the season against the Yankees. But other than that, he was untouchable. Yeah, I mean, Bieber was absolutely excellent. And this coming from a dynasty Shane Bieber owner. Yeah, you so it's... Pretty nice to have Shane Bieber. Pretty nice to see what he did this year. Mm-hmm. And it really seems like he's just that next guy from Cleveland. Yeah. Seems like anyone that the Cleveland pitching coaches touch turned to gold. Yeah. Let's hope Cleveland doesn't trade him away. Um, like they, it's Philly. Well, I'd love to have him on our staff. But – I, if Cleveland has this allergy to good pitchers, uh, <laughs> I feel well, like anytime because they can just churn them out like nobody's yeah, no, yeah, I mean, one they, goes down, another one's right there. But could you imagine if they kept some of these guys that they traded? Corey oh Kluber. Gosh. Let's hope they don't get rid of Bieber. They could have such a. They could have far and away the most dominant pitching staff in all of baseball if they were to hold on to some of these guys. Well, I think you're forgetting one very key person that I think we have to talk about now. The other Cy Young Award winner. I was leaving him out for obvious reasons. Yeah, Uh, let's let's first establish this. This is a very, very pro pro Trevor Bauer podcast. Uh, If John Middleton wants to drop Trevor Bauer the bag, let him drop Trevor Bauer the bag. I'll pick. I'll drive to Cincinnati to bring Trevor Bauer to Philadelphia. Absolutely, very entertaining. Um, it is really, in my opinion, he's trying to make a positive movement for baseball. Yes, I think his message gets misconstrued a lot, but I think part of that is, is people always thought Bauer was more of a, oh, he's got the talent, but he hasn't really 
put it together to be that guy. But now Bauer is that guy. Bauer is – he's electric. He you has saw him and Sonny Gray just – we talked about how disappointing the bats were for Cincinnati. Well, how about the rotation? Yeah, oh, my God. That him rotation. and Sonny Gray was, were just mowing guys down. And then you have Nick Lodolo waiting in the wings. That Cincinnati team could have a really good rotation as well if they hold on to Trevor Bauer. Um, so, I know, Jeff, you were also worried. I don't know about you, Will. Um, we were all kind of worried that Trevor Bauer might not win the award because he wasn't popular among the writers. Again, for his kind of public personality, his yeah. – I guess you, some people call them antics in air quotes on Twitter. Um, I love him. He is a – I, he's electric. And, I mean, 27 first-place votes. We almost saw two unanimous Cy Young Award winners. Uh, oh, like, oh, my God. Um, it's just – he was outstanding this season. And, I mean, his record doesn't yeah. show it. And I hate that people judge pitching by records. He was 5-4, no, and four, but – a 173 ERA over 73 innings, 100 strikeouts. And what's insane is the best we saw from, from Bauer, which is kind of the, uh, the opposite of what you could say from Shane Bieber, who got yeah. hit around by the Yankees in the playoffs. Well, Bauer went up against just as potent of an offense. Mm -hmm. He had to go up against the Braves who we all know firsthand how good that Braves offense yep, is. Yep, they're very good. And Bauer really showed up with maybe his best performance of the whole year. And that doesn't even factor into the Cy Young voting because it was playoffs. Yeah. I mean, he went seven and two-thirds, I believe, in the Braves game. Mm -hmm. Really, only, only solid contact was uh, Acuna. Yeah, the one Acuna. Which is the reason he got pulled, because that was Acuna's next time up. They pulled him. Which makes sense. That's the kind of time where then you, you pull a pitcher. You know, yeah, you gotta, obviously. You, you have a hitter like Ronald Acuna, who is clearly just saw the ball well against Bauer. That makes sense, and that's deep in a game. Mm -hmm. Seven and two-thirds innings, two hits, 12 strikeouts against, like we were saying, one of the most potent – offenses in in the whole uh, the, league the whole yeah the whole league so uh trevor yeah, bauer bauer did it all year and then did it in the big in time the moments too yeah i mean um you know i was a little worried like oh big market to grom might steal first place votes you might steal first place votes and somehow this gets closer than it ever needed to be um i'm just gonna get i'm very honest, Jacob DeGrom did not deserve a single first-place vote. I'm happy he didn't get one. He had a good season, but by DeGrom's standards, it was a bad season, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Kind of scary. Kinda oh, scary very scary. I mean, it just wasn't like the yeah, normal I, I DeGrom mean, that we're I, used to seeing. I just don't think he outpitched Bauer. No, no one outpitched. I, I the only person who outpitched Bauer was in yeah. the other league. Yeah. 
Um, We've touched now on two different offenses. We've praised two offenses throughout this show. We've first praised the White Sox offense, and then we just talked a lot about the Braves offense, offense, which is kind of fitting that us to the MVP, the big first base bats for both of those lineups are your 2020 MVPs. Yeah. And I mean, the American start on Freeman. I would love that because that is another one of my absolute guys. Yeah. uh, Freddie Freeman's just great. Um, When they announced these awards, I said to you, Jeff, I said, well, it's really Freddie Freeman's award. No one else deserves that award. Um, Not over him. Batted, let's see, his season in 60 games, he 73 hits, 23 doubles, 13 home runs, 53 RBIs, batted 341. See, this is nothing new, though, from no, Freddie Freeman. It's not. And this is stuff he's been doing it year in and year, year out. Yeah, and, and he's just been a huge impact bat, impact player for the Atlanta Braves for years and he's just been going underrated he's another one of those guys like boom and i think he's kind of the prototype that boom follows of yeah he's, guys he's, are on boom base has to watch. he's he's just guys are on base i'm gonna get the ball and play and see what happens i'm not gonna try to crush it if i find a gap i find a gap if it gets to the outfield and i move them 90 feet that's just as good Freddie, but that's Freddie Freeman Freeman's can also approach. take you 400 feet whenever he wants. Yeah, that's the scary part. Um, that's part of the reason, though, he's been so underrated, is he hasn't been in an age where it seems everyone's selling out for power. Everyone's yep. trying to make those big, flashy plays. Freeman's just going to hurt you, and then hurt you again, and then hurt you again. Right. He's just going to single you to I, death, double you to death, knock in runs, come through in a big situation, and it's made him underrated for years so it's just amazing to see finally he's getting the recognition he deserves I think the reason Freeman is so underrated on that Braves team is because that you're saying everyone wants to flashy play everyone wants the power and they have Ronald Acuna and he gives you that yeah yeah is uh, he's basically the definition of all that yeah Ronald Acuna is the flash that the the MLB wants in uh their league in the league right now obviously he didn't have his uh he started a really good season in 2020 but freddie freeman was just uh it was his award all along i mean yeah Mookie, the whole offense though was so good and yeah. but freeman still managed to stand out yeah which is really good seeing i mean mookie had a great season um and machado also had a really, really good season. Yeah, he it was just Mach- going to be tough for him to, to win with the, the half that uh, Tatis had. There was yeah. always going to be voters split on who the real MVP was in San Diego. In San Diego. Yeah, That's I why mean, you saw them finish three and four. Mm-hmm. They're stealing votes from each other. Yep. So now um, the last award is the AL MVP. I think this, the voting doesn't show it, but this award, I think on paper, was a lot closer than the AL MVP between uh, the Jose's. Jose Abreu, obviously the winner, and Jose Ramirez, uh, second place. Uh, Jose Abreu is just phenomenal. I don't think you can count out DJ, though. 
No, DJ had – yeah, this was, I think, the closest award race out of all of them. They definitely got it right, though. Oh, 100% they got it right. But, I mean, Jose Abreu was just – as uh, the same dynasty owner, and I have Jose Abreu, it's good to see that I'll be getting production out of him and with the DH ever present in the AL, I'm hoping that when he can no longer play first base, he'll just naturally transition to that pure hitter that, I mean, 317, 19 home runs, 60 RBIs, 76 hits, played in all 60 games. And kind of like Freeman, he was the one guy that, in a really good offense, just stood out. Yeah. He was kind of really telling and is likely a big reason why those are your two MVPs this year. Right. Uh, the two, the centerpieces of two just outstanding offenses. I mean, Jose Abreu was rookie of the year in 2014. He had a great season. Um, man, he's just been, he's one of those guys. He's just going to be, he, Hits the ball hard all the time. Yeah. If he makes if he contact, it, you better watch way, yeah. out. Yeah, but I, I mean, this year we really saw two prototypical, just big bat first baseman, large guys, just who can hit yeah. the ball hard and far and just really change a game for the offense. Yep. Come home with MVPs. So – but let's give a little love to Jose Ramirez and DJ. I think uh, Jose Ramirez was the reason that Cleveland team kind of stayed in it at the end. A lot of their yeah. bats, even Lind- Lindor, uncharacteristically went quiet. And that's when you saw Jose Abreu had an absolutely outstanding September and was just everything that was thrown his way. He was getting hit. Like, yeah, he was hitting everything in September. Um, I think that might have been a little little case of it was a little too little too, too late. late. Yeah. Kind of. I think so. His really his he built his MVP case in September. September. But Abreu did it throughout the whole season. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why. And I think DJ I mean DJ was DJ all year. Yeah. I, I think a big problem there. Was the the underperformance of the Yankees. Yankees. DJ was another one. Another the bright spot in what we always assumed to be a stacked Yankees lineup. I didn't even realize DJ batted 364 this season. That's insane. DJ's been a very special bat for many years now. He was one of my favorite free agents two years ago. I thought someone was going to get a stud, get a steal with him yep. because everyone was reading so much into Coors Field, just how, oh, the ball carries, it's easy to hit there. But when you're hitting, like, upper 300s. Yeah, 348, 310. That, that translates. Yeah. That, that to that ball tr- skills translates no matter what yeah. the atmosphere is, what stadium it is. If you can get your bat on the ball, that'll play it's, wherever you are. Yeah, I mean – um, they all three of them just had really good seasons, but like you said, Jose Abreu put it together for the entire season was the focal point in one of the deepest offenses in the American League, and he just deserved that award more than the other guys. Um, I this year was a little weird for me. Um, 
you know, it's the first time in a long time we haven't seen Trout finish in the top three for an MVP voting. Has there been a year? Doesn't uh, feel like there's even been a year. No, I, I really don't think there has since he's been up. He's just that good, and it, it says something. He's that good of a player. These guys all kind of outplayed him. Um, let's see. He came up in 2012. One, two, three, four, five. He finished fourth place in 2017. That's the only time besides this year that Trout hasn't been either the MVP or second place. He... I mean, one of his first years might have been his rookie year. It took uh, a triple crown to beat him out. Yeah, from Miguel Cabrera. Um, he's. It's just weird seeing Mike Trout in fifth. Um, yeah, I think ultimately that comes down to the fact we discussed how important each of these guys were to their teams making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like even when the Yankees started to struggle, it's – really helpful to have someone as consistent as a 360 plus batting average clearly tells you DJ LeMayhew like was and always has been his whole career. Mm-hmm. Um, and another guy, uh, Shane Bieber, I thought probably could have snuck into the top three. He was finished fourth place. Um, I really thought we were going to see him in the top three. I thought it was going to be Jose Abreu, Jose Ramirez, and Shane Bieber, but I have no qualms with yeah, I uh, think the top he's, four. He's around where he belongs because yeah. I think the same reasons that we had for why Devin Williams shouldn't be rookie of the year still exist right now for why Shane Bieber shouldn't have been the MVP. Well, I don't. I I never thought Shane Bieber was going to be MVP, but. I think there was a case that was that could have been built for him to finish at least in the top three. But like you said, I think fourth is a good play. He was on pace. Yeah, a, he pitched in he it was a sixty game season. He had hundred and twenty two strikeouts. He if was he does on that pace, over a whole was, season. You're definitely you're not only talking obviously his still he has his unanimous Cy Young Award, but then you're you are giving serious considering consideration not only for a finalist for the MVP, but that might be his award at that point. Yeah, you, you're talking, if he kept that pace up, something like 330-plus strikeouts. That is insane. Yeah, that's the, uh, the Cleveland way, right? Uh, I guess so. Um, so that's the all the awards kind of – summed up in our kind of standing point on them. Like we said at the beginning of the show, they got one award wrong this season, the writers did. Yeah, and but I, it's, you can see why they would have voted for Devin Williams. That was yeah, yeah, you it, can't it was an incredible season from him. It's just, for me, the same reason why Bieber wouldn't garner as much MVP consideration this year as his – Right. The numbers he was on track for would have would suggest. Oh my God! It's it just the body of work. It's it's just not big enough, really, in yeah. a sixty game season. It's not big enough for, to me, for a pitcher to win those kinds of awards. Otherwise, yeah. the voters, I have a lot less problems than I thought I was going to have with the voters this year. Yeah, I mean, I thought the the major problem we were going to have was with Trevor Bauer. I was concerned. Yeah. 
I thought that, that he was that might get go seated. to the media darling, the 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 big ace in the in big the market big, in the Big Apple. Um, yeah, I just and it's not even coming from a standpoint of a Phillies fan. I just don't think Degrom. No one could touch Trevor Bauer. I've already said it, and he deserved the guy we it. didn't mention though. There is shout out you Darvish. You Darvish. Way to bounce oh back God. after some. I feel like rocky you, seasons. You Darvish has had a, that. a tough go of it the past couple years, and and yeah, talk like you about said, a guy that's nasty. Oh my god! When he's, he has all forty-eight pitches that he throws going, <laughs> he is a problem. He does. I'm surprised. Surprised he didn't bust out like a knuckleball or something this season. Well, I mean, he's got some <laughs> variation for sure. He's, yeah, I mean, he, interesting name for it. But that's it was nice to see. I've always been a big U Darvish fan and it was nice to see him really have that bounce back season and kind of maybe start to put the questions out of the Cubs fans' minds. Right. I mean I would I mean a, a, Darvish on a, a, a Cy Young finalist season now, does that start yeah, to make I mean, the contract worth it? I I hope so. it, he I hope he up can another keep it year. Up. I hope you keep it up. The last time there was a Cy Young finalist in Chicago, uh, we know how that one turned out. Thanks, Jake Arrieta, for taking all of our money and not giving us anything in return. But um, I don't want to open old wounds now. Well, he's a free agent again, so we can just give him that whole contract back and let him sign it again. Uh, no, I would I'd be so upset. But uh, so that's all the awards. Um, and is there anything else you guys want to talk about for, or uh, do we want to save all free agent talk for next week? I just want to put out there that I've already started some semi-extensive free agent research. Mm. And I'm excited. I, I like this class. I think this class is really deep. And not top heavy. Definitely not. No, I think it's uh, it's not like two seasons ago where you saw guy like some really big name guys were on the market and there was going to be huge contracts like Bryson Machado. Um, you might still see a big contract track like that this offseason, but I, I there's more I'll way more that depth. level. Yeah, there's way more depth. I, in I think that class. there is a lot of guys out there that can fill out a solid roster, mm-hmm. and I I think. Philly fans in particular right now don't feel we have many options that it's we sign back JT and Didi Gregorius or the whole franchise is going under. And that's just, it's I, just not I, think, the case. I think we have, there's more options out there. There's more viable options out there than some people than, would realize. Yeah. than we would realize. And I'm really looking forward to Next time, getting getting to share some of these guys because there's some, there's, as yeah, I said names. earlier, professional some, hitters. Yes, professional hitters that got the Marlins to the playoffs. That would be. I mean, that's kind of what the Phillies need is some just professional hitters. But that'll be uh, next week's episode. So that'll be it from us on the Shooting the Shift podcast. Um, I thank Jeff and Will for joining me tonight, and we will. See you next week for another episode where we discuss all things free agency.
Go Phils. Go Phils, baby.